Welcome one, welcome y'all to another episode of the Collective Voice Podcast. I'm the host, Jay Lance Renner. On the last episode, my guest, Vaughn Pullman, had mentioned one of the most notable differences between the USL and Major League Soccer was the accessibility of USL teams and players. While my personal experience has been fairly similar on both levels, I know exactly where he's coming from. And the guest in this episode simply highlights Vaughn's statement. My guest is a Charlotte native that has a championship in the USL. He's had a very successful career at his position and a bright future making an impact off the field in a variety of ways. And I felt we were barely able to scratch the surface on a lot of the things that he has going on. Being an integral part in the movement within USL and soccer as a whole's platform to bring awareness to social inequality in the sport and beyond is something we touched on and I hope to bring him back to dive deeper into how we collectively can make a difference in that sphere of the world. But bringing together fans to do the best thing possible for our community and all the people within is a resonating statement that I will carry on most from this conversation. The conversation in this episode was special to me. We were able to dive deeper into a topic that I know quite a bit about. And admittedly, I hadn't really considered how it affects athletes and the way it alters their lives just like you and me. And I'm talking about mental health and its effects on athletes and a platform that my guest is launching to help athletes from academies, collegiate, or professional levels with any issues that may occur. But before I give too much away, I'll let my guest go into more detail on his newest endeavor. So without further ado, Brandon Miller. Brandon, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, it's It's been a while since you and I talked. The last time I, I actually spoke with you was when um, we appeared on the Backyard Footy podcast back in, what was that, May? June? Yeah, that was, that was a little bit ago. That was a long, Almost. It seems like forever ago, especially these days, man. It's just time seems to fly, doesn't it? So yeah. um, now I'll... I'll I went over a little bit in the intro, you know, who you were, kind of a lot of things we're going to talk about today, but um, you grew up in Charlotte, uh, moved to Wilmington for college. You played in various cities around the country, including a very successful 2015 campaign in which you won the USL championship with the Rochester Rhinos. Um, And during that season, that was the first time that I ever uh, came into contact with you when you came to Charlotte. A couple of times. I think your only loss that year was was in Charlotte. Yes, um, it was. Everyone likes to remind us. <laughs> now, hey, listen, that's a very prideful thing for us, man. It was uh, you were wearing a very orange kit, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, yes <laughs> but uh, and then you 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 know um, you finally returned home to play for the Independents in 2018, and you've been here since. Um, now, what, what has your, your experience been like playing soccer, and how has your soccer journey impacted you? Um, I mean, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. I mean, if we specifically just talk about, you know, after college playing professionally, um, obviously 
first job out of college playing soccer you know something you love but then you you learn really quick that it's you know it's more than just playing soccer like it's a job um this is grown men now fighting for their livelihoods fighting for their families and so it's it's a it's a big transition to stepping up to becoming a professional um but i've been i've been in a number of different environments i think that's probably the biggest thing that's helped me as a person um is that i've been in so many different environments i've dealt with so many different people and i've you know i've learned a lot along the way um in terms of who i am um how this business works how business in general works um and how impactful i can be uh in in many different arenas uh that's what what a lot of these different communities have taught me, whether it was in Rochester when I was working with the Goals program or in, in out in North County, um, working with some of the programs that that, that club had going um, around a lot of, of um, different diseases and, and, and impacting a lot of the, the youth that were suffering from those. I mean, it's it's been literally every single place where I've been, I've been able to be impactful in a different way. Uh, and so I feel like now I've been able to come back to Charlotte and kind of put that all together to be most impactful here. Uh, and so I would say, it, it, through my soccer career, I've just learned a lot about myself and who I am and that I, you know, the impact that I can have, um, I reach beyond soccer. Yeah. And, and so, you know, let, let's touch on that a little bit. Who, who are you? I mean, if you, you've learned a lot about yourself and I, I'm, I don't doubt that you're still learning a lot about yourself, you know? And, Absolutely. And, but, but Absolutely. exactly who, who are you? Who does Brandon Miller perceive that Brandon Miller is? I mean, I'm just a person that wants to, who wants to, to help, you know, the next generation. Like I want, I want the next generation to learn from me. I, you know, I haven't had, you know, I haven't reached the highest heights. I haven't, you know, been the most successful, uh, you know, specifically soccer player, but I've, I've definitely learned a lot. I've definitely, I've definitely done well in my career, been, been fortunate enough to win championships and, and individual awards. And, you know, I've, I've reached some great highs and I've had some great lows and I want to, I'm, a, I'm the person right now in the space that I'm in right now. I want to be the person that helps the next generation learn from me and learn how to navigate this path of whether it's youth soccer, college soccer, professional soccer in the best way possible so that they can be the most successful. Um, you know, I'm just someone that wants to be impactful on other people's lives because I feel like there's been so many people that have been impactful on mine and, that, and they've helped me to get to where I am. And so now I want to give that back. I want to be that same person for the next generation. Absolutely. And, and I know that that's something to, to certainly strive for, I, I think, for anybody. I mean, it's, it's, there was the old uh, adage that it's not for us, it's for the future, right? So right. We, we're always trying to do what's best for, for the next generation and beyond that. Exactly. Um, so o- over the course of the last year, you know, speaking of being impactful, um, you and, and your Charlotte, Charlotte Independence teammate, Hugh Roberts, have led uh, the charge in the greater soccer community to build awareness uh, for black athletes and citizens alike um, to learn, to lean into this. I'm going to actually use an excerpt from an article you wrote um, on mental health and kind of segue that into another point. Um, in 2020, I struggled mightily with everything that was going on in America. The rising racial discord had a huge effect on me mentally. I had to deal with the issues of being a black man while also going to work every day and performing at a high level. It took a hard mental toll. I found solace in my fellow black soccer players to hear them share their stories that were similar to mine made me realize I wasn't alone and I could lean on them for support. From all of that, the Black Players Alliance was formed and that group has helped me address a lot of the issues I was grappling with personally. Um, 
you know, first as someone who has dealt with a variety of mental issues, I empathize with the thoughts of being alone in struggling with the many things going on around you. Um, and while there's no doubt the triggering actions were significantly different for, for all of us, um, I'm glad to read your approach on mental health. Um, how are you managing with that now? Um, I mean, I, before 2020, um, I was never great at, at sharing how I felt, whether it was, you know, in a relationship, whether it was with my family, whether it was with friends. Um, but I've realized, I mean, 2020 made me realize, and it was those conversations with, like, whether it was on the Backyard Footy podcast or whether it was just talking to guys who would reach out or I would reach out to them, just having those conversations with them. That helped me mightily get through everything that I was dealing with um, in 2020, I, I realized I wasn't the only one dealing with a lot of times, you know, as athletes, as people, we feel like we're the only ones dealing with, you know, what everything that's that's coming at us in the world. And, and I mean, I remember I, I was driving to a game one day um, and I just couldn't hold keep it in. I was crying on the way to the game. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to perform tonight when I'm just I'm mentally not in a great space. You know, I got to the locker room, I sat in my locker and I just I just sat there. I didn't, I wasn't really talking to anyone. I wasn't listening to music. I just wasn't really getting ready. I was just sitting there. And so I realized like I have to do something. And you know, I talked to, I talk, started talking to Hugh. We started talking to other players and I just started realizing that other guys are going through the same thing. Um, we're competitors. We want to, you know, we want to beat each other on the field, but at the end of the day, we're all humans. We're all men. And more specifically, we were all black men. Um, and we were all black men going through a lot of the same issues, a lot of the same feelings and being able to just have those conversations with those guys and, and really share how we feel, how, what their experiences are like and, and figure out how we can best navigate through these times to make it better for the, like, like we talked about, make it better for the next generation, make it better for us, but also make it better for, for the people that are coming up. Um, and so that was, that was the best way for me to deal with. That's the best way I deal with it. Now I still have, um, I still have a number of close friends who I have these conversations with all the time because I just can't, it's, it's a big burden to hold it in all the time. Uh, whether it's, whether it's race, whether it's, you know, other issues in society that we have to deal with, whether it's just your own stuff that you're dealing with at home. Like it's, it's really hard. People don't understand like athletes are humans too, you know, like you just like you go to work and you have things that you're dealing with that distracts you from work. Right. I go to work. Well, I have to, you know, I physically have to perform and my, my brain is, doesn't really shut off just like your brain doesn't shut off at work. So I still have to figure out how I can focus in training while I've got 10 other things running through my mind um, that seem more important to me than, than, you know, kicking a soccer ball at that time. Absolutely. And, and, and I think one of the hardest parts and is, is to admit, and you, this is a, an exact quote from your article is it's hard to admit you have a problem. Right. And a, a lot of times, you know, when you're struggling with something, it's, it's so hard to, to look at other people in the eyes and just say, Hey, I, I, I need, I need some, I need some guidance. I need some, some assistance, something. Right. And it's so hard. And, and I can only imagine how, how hard that is being an athlete, you know, where, where you're in a room full of essentially alpha males where, you know, everybody wants to compete and be the best at everything, but you know, you don't, you don't express the, the negative energy kind of running around your mind. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, the really tough part about it is because like as athletes, you're, 
you're trained to be mentally tough and, and don't let anything affect you. And, you know, you can't cry. You can't be sad. Things like that. Like you're just supposed to be, you know, so you're just supposed to be like cold, like, like a machine, like a robot. And especially as for me, um, being a leader on the team, being one of the older guys on the team, like you have to go into the locker room and, and lead a group of guys who are looking up to you, who are watching your every single move. And at times, like it's it's just like in anything else in life. I, I thought about it a lot. Like people always ask, you know, how are you doing? It's just it's just a, a, a you know a normal thing people say, whether they really care about how you're doing or not. And it got I realized it just got tiring saying I'm good, I'm good, I'm good because I wasn't good. You know, I wasn't good. I was struggling, and at some point I just had to be like, look, you know, I'm not good. Like I had to, I had to tell people, you know, there's people that you're more comfortable, you know, saying that to, but at some point you have to, you have to be honest. You have to acknowledge that, you know, I'm not good and it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you soft. It just makes you a human. Right. And you, you have to be able to deal with those things or else, you know, it's going to, it's going to absolutely tear you apart. And so that's what I, I found last year was like, I just got to the point where I couldn't keep saying I'm good. I had to I had to figure out how I was gonna deal with it and, and there were plenty of people that helped me get through it, which which is great and I really appreciate them and I, I still reach out to them to this day. Absolutely. You know, and, and like I said, we, we all have kind of trigger things and, and when you get to when you get to a point where you're at your lowest and then you, you start kind of finding your way out, you start seeing this light and you know, maybe for you, it was the same as me where I just started admitting like, Hey, I'm not okay anymore. Like I, I know, you know, people know, like they look at you, they know that, that you're not okay. Right. Um, and, and I think it's that admittance that, that kind of acceptance that, that you, you at least just need to talk about it, whether or not you want the guidance from the person you're talking to, you just need to say it to somebody, right? Yeah, that's the thing. You got to get it. As long you got to get it out. That's the first step. Like once you get it out, it becomes so much easier. I mean, it's never easy to share, you know, it's never easy to, to feel vulnerable and then feel weak and things like that. But, you know, I just, the way I view it, I don't see it as being weak. I see it as being like, it's, it takes a strong person to admit when, when they're struggling, it takes a strong person to, you know, ask for help um in any aspect of life and so uh, those that's not a sign of weakness for me absolutely so what suggestions might you have to others that that struggle uh like athletes specific or just just people in general let's start with athletes and then we can go to people in general i mean athletes specifically for athletes you're in a, you're in a locker room full of people who you know you they're hopefully they want your success just as much as they want the team success. And so you're a part of that team. You're a part of that a cog in that wheel. And you know, you're the, the old adage is you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if you have someone struggling, like there's, there's plenty of people around to talk to, um, and just finding in the one or two people, there were, there were plenty of people in my locker room, um, whether it was in the coaching staff or whether it was teammates or even, you know, the training staff or things like that, where I could talk to about certain things and I know knew who to go to, to talk about certain things. And that's what would help me. So I would suggest like for athletes, just, just finding people in your immediate space, the people you see every single day that you feel comfortable with opening up to, um, because those should be the people that, that want to see you succeed the most. But I mean, just people in general, like, talking to someone like reach I think I feel like therapy has such a, a negative connotation or stigma to it but like I I go to therapy I, I think I found it very helpful um so doing something like that or just finding you know finding someone you're comfortable with you or even like I, I started with doing a journal you know writing things down in a journal and just getting the thoughts out of my mind getting all the thoughts whether they're negative whether they're positive all those thoughts out of my mind just so it was just a, just a, a relief at some point and um 
you know, taking it a step further to go talk to someone professionally and, and figure out a lot of things that are going on. I found that helpful as well. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I think kind of growing up, you, you, there was always this aura around therapy. It was like, Oh, you're, you're going to therapy. Wouldn't you, yeah. you know, it's like, but it, you're absolutely right. Like even, you know, I, I went to therapy early on in, in my, my, um, my depression that I went through and, and inevitably it helped me at the, the tail end of it, even though I stopped going. Cause I, I, you know, I was in so deep where I didn't even see the benefits of the therapy, you know? So I was just like, there's no way this is helping me. So I'm just going to stop going. And, and it's, it, it's all about wanting to be helped. I think more than right. anything, you know? Um, now another, another quote from the same article, you said, no one else is going to give you more confidence than yourself. Instead of thinking about potential negative outcomes in the game, I began focusing on simple positive situations. And I, I think this speaks volumes um, and is extremely universal in, in outside the game as well as inside, you know, because I tell, I, I manage in, in um, the hospitality industry and, and I tell my employees, you know, moods are contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have negative um, people coming to work with you every day, it's going to be a negative vibe around them all the time. All the time. So I Absolutely. started... I started approaching it kind of how you are and became, began focusing on, on positive situations and using those and making them bigger than they, what they really are, right? Um, in the article, I think at that moment, you were actually talking about um, how you would hype yourself up before matches. You know, Can you kind of go through your, your pregame ritual in, in that and how you kind of get yourself into that place? Well, let me talk about how I got there first. Yeah, like, absolutely. I realized back in 2016. So 2016 was the worst season I, I had in my career. Um, and I realized like I went into games just so tense, so anxious, so afraid. And all I was thinking about was what mistake am I going to make this game? And inevitably, I was making a lot of mistakes. Right. And so... I started to I started to do more reading on just like mental strength, how I can how I can you know correct some of the, that anxiety, some of those butterflies, how I can harness that into into more positive energy. And so I did a lot of reading on that, a lot of visual visualization stuff. Um, and so now, like before games, my big thing is just visualizing everything that I've done well before, right? And it's not just it's not winning a championship. It's every every shot that I that I caught cleanly, every every cross that I've taken. Um, really well, good distribution, you know, uh, good communication, like all, all the things that I'm going to do, I know that I'm going to see throughout the game on a consistent basis, like thinking those, visualizing those positive images and, and basically projecting them onto the, the game that's coming up. Right. So I'll sit in my locker, I listen to music. I think about, um, all those positive things. Even sometimes I'll, I'll sit in, in my locker and I'll look at my highlight video. I mean, that sounds vain, but it shows me the positive repetitions that I've had, but so often I see with, especially with youth goalkeepers is one mistake is a snowball, right? Turns into two mistakes, three mistakes, four mistakes. And all of a sudden your, your training session is gone or your game is gone. You've given up three goals when you, you know, those are usually routine things for you. And so with that, I'm like, you know, if I can avoid that negativity, um, and really just stay confident in who I am, 
Um, it takes it. I mean, that, that takes time. I'm 31 years old. I'm just now figuring this out in the past, you know, year or two. Right. It's not something you're going to be perfect at in the beginning. But, you know, having no one's no one's going to be more confident in you than you. Like you have to be you have to project that air of confidence in order for other people to be confident in you as well. Um, so me, I walk on the field, like I, I tell myself I'm, I'm the best goalkeeper in the league because I genuinely believe like I have the talent to, to be the best goalkeeper in the league. And then I go out, I have to go out and perform, right? And so that puts me in a better mind, mindset, a better space to perform than going out there anxious and nervous about what might happen. Because um, as humans, we're really good at talking ourselves out of things. Like, so you can want to perform as much as you want, but then, you know, you start you start talking yourself out of a good performance. And it's the same thing in other things in life. You want to start a business, and but you're afraid of people not wanting your product or whatever it is, and you talk yourself out of it, knowing very well that you have the capabilities to do it. So, um, the mind is such an interesting, it's such an interesting thing. Um, and it, I just that's what I really want to start educating people. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not the, the utmost expert on it, but I've done a lot of research over the past two years. And it's definitely helped the way I've been able to perform in training, perform in games and, and just view myself overall. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, it's interesting um, that you bring up the idea of kind of walking out like you're, you are the pinnacle of yourself, right? Like you are at the top of your game all the time, whether or not you are, you, you still think that, right? And yeah. it reminds me of, I was at a, a USA game in Nashville one time and we were walking around downtown Nashville and this guy asked us what bar we worked at. And we we're like, dude, we're from North Carolina, man. Like, I've, I've never been to Nashville. He's like, well, you guys are walking around like you own the place. <laughs> you know, and this was actually near the tail end of, of one of my biggest depressions. And I was like, it, it was kind of a, that kind of, you know, the, the switch flipped where I was like, man, like, I, I guess now I have the confidence. And, and I think that's one of the things that you gain. Um, you gain more confidence in yourself after being at the lowest point of, of yourself. Right. And yeah. I, I think, I think it's important to, to kind of hold yourself to a higher regard too, you know? Um, now you've talked about a, a couple times about, um, the athlete educational community and, um, mental strength. Um, and you did tell me that you're about to launch an online program. Can you, can you go into uh, a little bit of detail about that? Yeah. I mean, so what we're doing is launching basically a community for athletes, um, to, we want to provide a, a bunch of educational resources, a community where, you know, players can engage, youth players can engage with professional athletes, college athletes, whoever it is, um, to just discuss whatever it is, you know, we're all going through similar things. And a lot of times we talked about it, like a lot of times this athlete thinks, you know, the world's ending because something happened to them where this athlete has been through that and can help them through that. Right. So we want to build a community. Um, it's going to be an online community where, where people can engage. It can have, you know, we'll have live events. We'll have different topics to discuss, um, Q and A's, things like that. So, um, and we're also going to have, we're, we're launching with that, within that, that, um, community, we're going to have different courses. And the first course we're going to launch is, a uh, it's called going to be a cerebral athlete program where we're, we're 
talking everything the mental side of sports um, and it's not just for soccer players we want it for all athletes because whether you're a soccer player whether you're a basketball player whether you're a football player you all we all have you know the mental struggles of the game the pressures of making a free throw at the end of the game versus making a pk at the end of the game like we're all dealing with those different issues um, we all deal with confidence issues you know we all deal with having to to respond to mistakes all those things and so we want to build a community specifically with this course we want to address the mental side of the game so that players can learn how to deal with these different situations better and hopefully become better athletes and better people from it. So uh, I'm really excited about it. I mean, the community, I'm, I'm really hoping the community can get pretty large um, and we can have a lot of engaging conversations with players of all levels uh, because I think that, that can be really helpful in knowing that you know, as a youth player, I've got someone I can turn to who's who's got the experience and can help me get through uh, what I'm dealing with right now. Um, because there's no issue that's too small um, to to deal with. I mean, if you don't, if you want to address it, then then you need to address it. And so, that's my goal with this. So, um, we're calling the Prime Focus Athletes Community, um, and I'm I'm really excited about it. Dude, that's awesome. I, I and and I really appreciate that last point where you said athletes of all levels right like so you can essentially you know let's let's look here in charlotte you've got a lot of um there's quite a bit of academies here you know the one for for the independence that you play for um charlotte fc's now got their academy kind of up and running and and those kids i can only imagine the amount of pressure they're on it at their age and and what kind of stuff they go through and then college and professional and and the fact that it's sweeping across all sports too i think that's that's quite impressive and and i look forward to seeing how that how that kind of works out for you well i mean the thing for me is um you know you look at all the different youth academies that we have here and whether it's academies or just youth clubs in general like I personally can't touch every single athlete that that is um, playing in these youth clubs. You know, I can't I can't be out at every single practice. I can't, um, you know, I can't coach these teams and whatnot. Like, that's just not physically. I'm not able to do that. But if we can build a community, like even just here in Charlotte, a community of of, of youth athletes that they compete with each other, but at the same time, a lot of these guys are friends, right? A lot of these guys are going through the same thing and they may not be having these conversations on their own, but if we can foster a community where kids feel open and, and are, are ready to engage and, and, and share with, you know, with youth athletes, with college athletes, with pro athletes, it's, it's, it's an, it's an idea. It's a concept that that could be really beneficial for, for every level. Um, because again, People just need to be able to talk about what they're going through. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm excited about it. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you look at, you even look at what happened with, uh, with, uh, I think it was a Man City youth player who, who got cut and he ended up taking his own life. Like that's not something I ever want to read about again, right? Because there are there are plenty of players who have gotten cut from Man City before and they've they've struggled with it, right? So the, those are the people that can be helping that kid along as well. So like, those are the, those are the conversations. That's the community that we want to build so that whether you're dealing with something negative or whether you're dealing with something really positive, right. That you want to share. Like I, I want that to be something I mean, a space where, where players feel safe enough to share things there. All right. So I had mentioned earlier, um, the USL black players Alliance. What is the Alliance for the folks that don't know? And how did you come to get involved? So, I mean, we're an organization, have over 100 members, um, mainly black soccer players within the USL. And our, our mission is basically just to address a lot of the issues that we see within our sport. Um, a lot of the equity issues 
that we see, whether it's youth soccer, uh, college soccer, professional soccer. Um, we want to enhance the opportunities for, for more black players in soccer because I think uh, we've seen it's it, it tends to be tough um, to get into the a lot of these uh, communities, lower income communities, whether they're black players, whether they're you know my, other minority groups, um, and we want to address some of the lack of diversity, uh, whether it's in playing staff, whether it's in the coaching staff, whether it's in the front office. Um, we are basically here to just make sure that those issues aren't swept under the rug because I feel like they have been for quite some time now. And that's why you see um, a lot of the issues that we have today. You can look at a lot of the front offices around, whether it's the USL or the CMLS, the, you know, the, the lack of diversity in a lot of these power positions is 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 saddening it's it's disappointing um but you look at coaching staffs you look at you look at executive roles um a lot of these a lot of these things that they weren't addressed before but they have a big big impact on um people like me they have a big impact on youth soccer players and so like i said before my mission is to make things better for the next generation well i want the next generation i want the next you know black goalkeeper who aspires to be uh, a front office um, executive or who aspires to be a team owner to have someone to look up to, right? Um, representation definitely matters. Like I, I looked up to Zach Thornton. I looked up to Shaka Hislop. That's why I wanted to become a continue being a goalkeeper because I saw them playing at the highest level, right? So I want their, I want the next generation's um, role models to be, you know, the team owner. I want the next generation's role model to be the team president. I want to, I want to see those kids aspire to, to run a team as opposed to just be a part of the team, right? So I want to have, I want them to have bigger goals than, than I had. Um, and so that's, that's what our mission is, is just to, to increase the equity and increase the diversity within the, the sport of soccer. The first thing you notice if you ever visit the USL Black Players Alliance website, um, empowering players to use their platforms and impact their communities if there's been anybody impactful that I've seen, and maybe it's because I'm in Charlotte, but you know, the things that you and Hugh have done has been extremely admirable. Um, but can oh. you, can you kind of explain to the listeners how you're specifically using your platform um, and what impact you're making? So, I mean, the main thing here in Charlotte, I, so I lived, I live, probably about three minutes from what is formerly um, Tent City. And so that, and for, for those that don't know what Tent City is, it was where a lot of the homeless population were living um, in and around Charlotte. Um, and so I remember I used to drive by that, I mean, pretty much every day coming home from practice. Um, and it got to me. I, I couldn't keep doing it every day. And I, I couldn't keep doing that and driving to my townhouse in my nice neighborhood and not doing anything. Um, and so I realized I needed to get involved. I realized that, like it was at that point, I realized like I'm not just a soccer player. Like I can have a bigger impact. And so um, I just just so happened I, I, uh, I got in contact with an organization called Heal Charlotte. Um, I had heard their their founder make a speech at a Juneteenth celebration uptown and his words really moved me. And like uh, you know, what he said was basically like, that's what I want to do. Um, he talked about affordable housing. He talked about impacting the youth um, through education and, and um, different programs and community programs. And so basically when I heard that, I realized that that was the organization I wanted to be involved in. And 
I had already been involved with uh, with this program called Young Investor Society, which is a financial literacy platform. Um, it, but that's more a national thing, uh, and I'm trying to bring that to Charlotte. But then I figured I can merge the two together and kind of work with the youth on all types of different things. And so um, that specifically is how I got involved so much in, in Charlotte. Um, you know, they have the their we have a capital campaign right now um, that's targeting you know, affordable housing and, and transitional housing for, especially for a lot of the people that live in Tent City. And so that was one big thing I wanted to be involved in was, was how can we help the homeless population here? How can we help them? How can we help the next generation so they don't become them? Um, those are, that's really what I wanted to focus on. And I was lucky enough to find an organization that was doing all that. Very good, man. And, and, yeah, especially Ten Cities kind of um, front and center in the news. You know, it's 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 been pretty intense watching that stuff. I know that you had a little campaign during the season with Heal Charlotte. Um, you know, and and I was happy to to see that and see that Mint City helped invest that and or alongside a lot of uh, other soccer fans in in the Charlotte area. So I appreciate everything you're doing with that, and it's it's great to. To, to see that now what can can people like myself from Mint City Collective do to help uh, make that kind of impact as well I mean first off I mean I really appreciate you guys getting involved and supporting um, you know my campaign throughout the season um, that's a big thing for me is like as much as it's Charlotte FC as much as it's Charlotte Independence you know you have Stumptown like we're three different clubs, three different fan bases, whatever. We're one soccer community. And, and I say it all the time, like it's bigger than soccer, right? It's, it's so much bigger than soccer. And so I really appreciate you guys, you know, setting aside whatever differences there are, whatever, you know, different clubs or whatever, just to, to make a bigger impact on the community. Cause that's what it is. That's what my target is with the campaign last year. That's what it's going to be this year is how can we impact the Charlotte community? And so, uh, I'm thankful for you guys for joining that. I'm going to be doing that a similar campaign this year. I'm going to be having a lot more um, some type of sweepstakes, giveaways, things like that to raise money for not only the Heal Charlotte, but for the Black Players Alliance, for a couple other organizations. Um, so it you know it doesn't always have to be monetary um, donation. It can you know there's you can give your time. You can simply help amplify what I'm trying what we're trying to do. You know, if it's you know a simple retweet or you know something like that, like just reaching more people. So any support like that is is big for me. Um, I'm obviously very, very grateful for all the financial support um, because that goes a long way to helping the organization. But um, just being able to to amplify what we're doing um, means a lot to us. And so uh, for that I would say thank you. Absolutely. And, and, you know, hopefully we can get some more boots on the ground and help out physically as well, you know, soon, six feet apart. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, all right. I have one more question for you just because since the, the, the backyard footy podcast, uh, Hugh kind of put us all on the spot and, and, and it's been resonating. This question has been resonating through my head since that podcast. Um, or statement, but you get you had mentioned earlier something about getting um, black black coaches, black owners in in leagues and executives for teams. How how can we how can we we really get to that point? I want to know because it's 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 not an easy question to answer, right? But you know, to me, your point was so valid. 
of of having you know these kids and and I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. Charlotte FC has has an initiative that they they kind of touched on today where they're they're gonna build eight mini pitches around um, the city of Charlotte. And I interviewed Jorge Herrera earlier on in my uh, my podcasting days, and Jorge had mentioned about how they're gonna set up these programs for coaching and stuff. But how can we get more black coaches involved? Um, into these programs so i mean i've actually talked to um i've talked to dustin talked to jorge about hopefully doing a mini pitch um at the the heel charlotte campus that we're going to have eventually um so i think that program is great what they're going to do with that in terms of bringing coaches in and and creating you know different soccer environments in different um neighborhoods i think that's great i think that's a great first step right you gotta expose the kids to the to the sport before um like before anything, I remember my first Hugh Charlotte soccer clinic. Most of these kids had never really played soccer before, so that's that's the big step. And getting these co- coaches qualified, bringing in qualified coaches who understand the, the area, understand the language, understand how how things go, to then drive soccer in that neighborhood. But at a larger level, I mean, it has to. You just have to give them the opportunities. Um, I, I don't want to give too much away, but I think that you know there will be. Um, some changes within the Charlotte Independence Organization that that could that will be beneficial um, to to what we're trying to do with the Black Players Alliance. Um, you you got to give you just have to give people the opportunities. I hear it all the time, where it's like there's either there's not enough qualified applicants or um, you know there's not a lot of turnover in, in the jobs. And I just think a lot of it is just BS. A lot of it is just excuses. Um, there's plenty. There have been plenty of job openings and plenty of opportunities to look beyond. Um, you know where a lot of teams look, and so it it just ha- it just I feel like it takes it's going to take one, it's going to take two, it's going to take three people who step up and say, you know what, we're going to go in a different direction. We're going to bring in a more diverse person who has a more diverse thought and can can change the way our organization is. I mean, it, it's all about the core values of an organization. You know, if you don't, if your core value isn't, if diversity and, and equity isn't in your core values as an organization, then that's not something that you're really going to worry about. So I think you know, it, it takes a lot of a lot of people, a lot of teams to really re- reflect on what exactly it is that you want to to achieve as an organization that you want to be, I guess, remembered by that you want to be, you know, you want to be seen as, um, you know, it's, it's not an easy fix. Um, in terms of ownership, I mean, it's, it's going to take personally the, the, the right people to come together and continue to invest in soccer. Um, one, it's going to take on the, on the soccer end to show that, you know, it can be a viable money-making business proposition, but at the same time, it's just going to take, you know, the right people getting together. And I think you see it throughout sports. Um, it's happening. It's just, you know, not, not everything's going to happen all at once. Um, so our, my main goal, our main goal is the black players, let's continue to move forward um, and not just stay stagnant or, you know, let the moment pass. Like we want to move forward and move forward in a positive direction. That's going to give more opportunity to the people who deserve them, who, who have been working hard, but just haven't been seen. So, um, that was a long-winded answer, but um, hopefully I, I got some type of response there. Dude, everything you say is gold. I'll say that. So, um, well, listen, man, I've taken enough of your time today. I appreciate you you coming on the show. Is there anything else you wanna you wanna talk about or or, or say? Uh, no. I mean, again, I'll, I'll say thanks for having me on. Um, I, I love what you guys are doing uh, over at Men City. Um, 
you know, I don't see everything, but I, I do see some things. And so I'm looking forward to, to seeing how you guys continue to help grow the game of soccer in Charlotte. Cause that's the biggest thing for me. It's like, I just want soccer to be a, a legitimate, you know, force in the city. Um, and so, you know, just keep doing what you guys are doing. Well, thank you, Brandon, for coming on. Absolutely. You take care. Thanks, sir. Once again, a huge thank you to Brandon for coming on. I certainly appreciate your vision and passion for doing good beyond the game itself. You can follow his personal account, the letters D-V-O-T-W-O-S-I-X, D-V-O-2-6. He also runs the Prime Focus Goalkeeping, which you can find at Prime Focus GK. His new program, developed alongside First Eleven Advisors, is called Prime Focus Athletes New Cerebral Training Program. I will link all these and the article I referenced during the interview in the show notes, as well as give links on social media. Speaking of social media, if you haven't yet followed this podcast, you can find it on Twitter at Mint City Voice. Um, and don't forget to subscribe on to the show on whichever platform you use so you can be the first to know when a new episode drops. And if you can give the show some love, five stars, or shout outs on social media, I will love you for it and I'll retweet it. Min City Chronicle is slowly making a comeback. And if you haven't signed up for the Min City newsletter or the Chronicle, go to mincitycollective.com and sign up to get insightful commentary from members on many things revolving around the MLS and Charlotte. And be sure to keep up with all things Min City Collective has going on by becoming a member and getting into our member-only Slack. The dialogue is forever flowing amongst our members and is possibly the best way to stay in the loop for all activities around Mint City, including happenings with our chapters, community outreach, and a variety of other topics that can and will come up. So that's it for this episode. This is the Collective Voice Podcast. I'm the host, Jay Lanskerner. And as always, be passionate, be loyal, be Charlotte. Should I say something specific about dragons or just that dragons roar, dragons spit fire, they're very much in the zeitgeist right now. Dragons, dragons, dragons with a Z. Everything about it is it's fairy tales. I'd rather get my hand slapped later than now. So do something that matters. Don't do something that is just in checking a box. Did we lay a beat behind it? I've got a life, I've got a job. Son. Boom.